You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Exodus 17, we're going to start in verse number 1. The Bible says, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. That's a problem. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee uh, thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come out uh, water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because the chiding of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Here's the question, is the Lord among us or not? Lord, I pray that you'd help us with a thought tonight, uh, and I pray that uh, your word would go forward uh, into our hearts and allow us to identify some areas we can work on tonight. I also pray for encouragement, Lord, and and I pray that we would leave encouraged, refreshed, and ready to finish this week and be a light for you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point in Scripture, we have the children of Israel. The children of Israel have come from the Red Sea, and Pastor preached on uh, God is not done yet. Uh, Sunday night, if you didn't hear that message, you need to go back and listen to it. What an encouragement that was. And so from the Red Sea, uh, we have the children of Israel beginning their journeys. And uh, they journeyed from the Red Sea. They came to a place called Marah because the, the waters there were bitter. And so we have the first problem after the Red Sea incident, and uh, we have that, the bitter waters that were made sweet. The children of Israel then journey from Marah and they come to Elam where there was 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, that oasis in the desert. What a restful place that was for the children of Israel after the Red Sea and after Marah. And then uh, they saw God give the miracle of manna and the quails in the wilderness of sin when they complained that they were hungry. And then now we have Israel coming into Rephidim and where there again they are thirsty. They have a problem. But unfortunately, the children of Israel do again like they have done every time that a problem has has arisen, and they blame God and God's man. What a fault is that? To be able to see the deliverance from Egypt, the deliverance from the Red Sea, and to be able to see all these different miracles, but yet their response is still one of uh, a, a question of questioning God and questioning God's man. We find that uh, this word murmur here, there's two words, murmur and chide. Murmur means to grumble or to complain, to utter complaints in a low, half-articulated voice. And so murmur, when you say murmur, it kind of sounds like a murmur, right? Murmur, murmur, murmur. And uh, so the children of Israel were complaining. They just weren't so happy because they had this problem. And they, for some reason, doubted that God could once again answer uh, their problems and provide for their needs. And then we have the word chide. 
And this time we find as they are thirsty, they chide with Moses. Chiding is to scold and to find faults. And they were doubting why Moses would bring them out of Egypt so that they could die in the wilderness of hunger. At the Red Sea, they cried. They wished they stayed in Egypt. At Marah, they murmured. And in the wilderness of sin, they murmured. I wish we had stayed in Egypt where we had bread that, that we could eat to the full. And then now in Rephidim, they chide and they murmur against Moses and against God. Did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us? And then they ask this question, which is where we get the challenge tonight. They ask the question, I highlighted it in my Bible. Is the Lord among us or not? What a tempting question to ask God. God, are you there or aren't you? To me, that sounds a whole lot like doubt. They doubted God. They doubted God in the Red Sea. They doubted God here in Rephidim and the other places that they had needs, but they doubted. And so tonight I want to bring the message, and not to be in a discouragement tonight, but to be in an encouragement. The message is entitled, it's a song that we actually sing in our hymn book, No Need to Doubt Him Now. There is no need to doubt God now. They asked the Lord the question, tempting him, is the Lord among us or not? But there's no need to doubt God now. There's no need, number one, uh, part of introduction, there's no need to doubt God's power. Remember back, the Red Sea, good night. What, what a wonderful deliverance that God did there, parting that Red Sea that, so that they could go across on dry ground. The song goes, it's no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he can do for you. And so for us, looking at the children of Israel, how often do we think, man, you know, he did it then, but I don't know if he can do it now. Guess what? God can still do it now. There's no need to doubt him now. Uh, we don't need to doubt God's power. I find it interesting as, uh, as they had this, this problem of thirst answered by the water out of the rock. And then right after that, they faced their first battle against Amalek. And as they got their victory over Amalek, we find a, a, a passage here, or the, the scripture in verse 15. The Bible says, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi. That is God my banner. Just think about it. As the children of Israel, they are going into their first battle. Now, God took care of the armies of Egypt. They didn't have to fight that war. God took care of that. God took care of them as they had their first battle in, in hand-to-hand combat against the children of Amalek here. And, and they got the victory. And now they're calling and, and erecting an altar, calling it Jehovah Nisi, God my banner. It's like the big advertisement. Hey, watch out. The children of Israel are coming because they have a God who is their banner. They have a God uh, that, that nobody can defeat the children of Israel because God is on their side. It's like this big war banner. And they see the children of Israel coming and then they say, no, I, I don't want to fight them because I know God is on their side. And as the children of Israel go into their different battles that they'll have uh, throughout the years of, of wandering and throughout the conquest of the land of Canaan, that banner over them saying, hey, God is my banner and God is my victory and God is going to deliver us once again from the enemy. That is the power of God. There is no need to doubt God's power in our life either. Number two, I, I find that we should not doubt God's providence. That is God's ability to provide for you. Amen. How often do we, though, man, our flesh is weak. When we are faced with the need, just like the children of Israel, man, what am I going to drink? What am I going to eat? Uh, how are we going to win this battle? And how am I going to get over this mountain that, that's uh, come into my life? Well, the fact of the matter is we don't have to doubt God's power, and we don't have to uh, doubt that God is going to provide in our time of need. 
There's a song that uh, we, we can listen to on our radio by the Thren family. And it, uh, the, the, the phrase there in the song is, God will not guide where he cannot provide. We can just trust God and his direction in our life because if God is guiding you there, guess what? He's going to provide every need that comes along the way. The children of Israel did not need to doubt God because uh, God uh, is provident. He's able to provide for us. Matthew 6, verse 31. You don't have to turn there. We'll turn a couple different uh, passages here tonight. But this one, it says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? It kind of sounds like the children of Israel asking these questions. But this is the New Testament. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We don't have to doubt God's providence. He's going to provide for you whatever need you have right now. Tonight, you've come to church with a need. Tonight and, and this week, you, you maybe have a burden that you're carrying. Guess what? God is going to provide for that need. God is going to help you with that burden. We don't have to doubt God's providence. We don't have to doubt God's presence. That's God's ability to be with you. God is ever-present. He's omnipresent. He's all places at one time. He knows exactly what you're going through and where you are. How amazing it would have been to see God's presence in, in Israel's camp. Remember, we have uh, the children of Israel as they are exiting Egypt. They had the, the pillar of fire by night and the pillar, that cloudy pillar by day. That was God's presence and God's protection in their life uh, as, as they were crossing the Red Sea. And as uh, from that day forward all the way until they entered Canaan, uh, they had God's presence with them. They had literally, you could see God's presence. How amazing would that have been to be in the, the camp of the Israelites and God's presence. You could literally look over and see, hey, God is right there. I can see him uh, and, and I can know that he is with us. Go ahead and turn just a few pages to Exodus 40. We find that as God is giving the children of Israel the instructions uh, in building the tabernacle, that they finally got it built. They finally got everything together, and God gave each uh, individual a skill uh, to be able to prepare and to make this tabernacle according exactly to how God would have it. And in Exodus 40, look at verse 33. The Bible says this, And he reared up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hangings of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then a cloud, here it is, this is God's presence. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went on onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Isn't that amazing? Can you, can you just go back in, in your imagination to think, man, I can see God's presence right there, the cloud and the fire. And if God is lifting up and, and he's moving on, then we're going to move with him. And if God is resting there in the tabernacle, we're just going to rest and we're going to stay put. That's amazing. But yet God is, is even better than that, even better than seeing a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Guess what? As the Christian, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Guess what? We have the presence of God with us at all times, and, and he is guiding us into all truth. He's helping us, and he's showing us the right path to take. 
That's the presence of God in our life. And so we have that wonderful uh, privilege to have God's presence. Let's not doubt it. Number four, I see as a part of a long introduction, let's not doubt God's preservation. His preservation, God's ability to secure your well-being. You know, Asaph wondered. He asked the question in Psalm 73. You can turn there if you'd like to, but uh, keep your spot in Exodus because we'll come back. In Psalm 73, uh, Asaph is saying here, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, and my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. How many times can we put, uh, be put in Asaph's shoes thinking, man, I'm, I'm going through a hard time and, and all I see is I see the wicked having a good time. How, how does this make sense, Lord? And then he goes on in verse 12, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. And then here he comes, until, here it is, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He didn't understand why the wicked seemed to be prospering. But yet when he went to the house of God, then he understood their end. Then he understood, man... Maybe in the present they're having a good time, but guess what? They're not going to be lasting long. They're not preserved. They're going to be destroyed. But God preserves the righteous. In Psalm 31, verse 22, For I said in my haste, this is David, I am cut off from before their eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplication when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Let's not doubt God's preservation in our life. He does preserve the righteous. He does see us through the difficulty. So let's not doubt. The last uh, part of my introduction here is God, uh, we, we don't doubt God's promises. Don't doubt for a moment that the promises that God has given to us, he is going to keep them. His promises is the ability to keep his word. I find in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. 2 Peter 1.4, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have some wonderful promises in this book. As a matter of fact, every promise of the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. What a wonderful promise that God has given to us in his word, and we don't have to doubt one promise that we find in his word. So the question is tonight, just like the children of Israel, why do we doubt? We understand that God has so many things, and he's, he's so capable, and he's so able to provide our every need. So why do we doubt? Doubt is defined as to hesitate to waver, to be in uncertainty, to fear, to distrust, to withhold confidence from. So why do we doubt? When I think about everything in this life, and there's certainly many things that we can doubt or we can't be 100% sure of, uh, maybe you go to a restaurant, and here I am talking about food, but you go to a restaurant and uh, it's not a bad restaurant at all, but yet for some reason, that night you just had terrible service. I mean, it was, 
It was unfortunate. I mean, it was long, drawn out. Your food took so long to get there. And then when it got there, it was cold and, and it wasn't exactly what you ordered. And you leave that place thinking, you know, I have my doubts of coming back here. I mean, after that experience, I don't know if I want to repeat this. There might be some doubts. How about it could be your favorite food. You could really enjoy a certain type of food, but then right after you eat that food, you get terribly sick. And you have the flu, and uh, what's the the likeliness of of this thought is, hey, I ate that food, and then I got sick, so maybe it's the food, right? And so the next time that you come back to that food, you're thinking, I don't know if I can trust this food again. Maybe it's going to make me sick again. Am I the only one that thinks that? It's like the last thing I ate, and then I got sick. Man, I'm thinking twice about eating it again. Unless it's something like Chick-fil-A or, or something, you know, God's food, then, then we'll just go ahead and eat it again and, and uh, not doubt. But anyway, how about this? Uh, you, have, you, you have some confidence in someone showing up on time for maybe a job or maybe to help you out with something, and they're late. I mean, really late. You probably think twice about asking them again to help you or maybe give them an hour's uh, or tell them to come an hour early so they'll actually come on time. Maybe that's the case. Proverb 26, 6 says this, He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to trust a fool with trying to deliver a message. As a matter of fact, uh, it, uh, maybe you're trying to send a package and, and there's some uncertainty on how, how it's going to arrive or if it's ever going to get there. Um, we have some doubts about those things. How about as seen on TV products? We have some doubts when we see some as-seen-on-TV products, especially with the people that are trying to explain how something works and they... You know, you know how those go. How about this one? Not to step on any toes here, but uh, uh, I have some doubts about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Anyone with me on that? Uh, have some doubts? I'm not saying I'm che- uh, cheering against them. I'm actually I'm rooting for them as the underdog. But tell you what, I have some doubts, and these might be valid. These doubts that we have in this life, we come across some things that we can't be 100% certain. We, we come across some things that we can't put our full faith and confidence in because we don't actually know if it's going to provide what we actually need it to. But yet, when it comes to God, why, why, would, we ever, why would we ever doubt God? There are some things in this life that we can doubt, but when it comes to God, why, why do we doubt God? Tonight, for the next 15 minutes, I, I plan not to be long. We'll be out about 8 o'clock. But tonight I want to cover maybe some reasons or some excuses that we ourselves doubt God. Number one, why do we ever doubt God? Maybe it's because we are not in fellowship with God. The children of Israel, they had all their journeys and they had all these problems that uh, came into their way. And yet when they came, their reaction was not, Lord... Man, I I just trust in you. You're going to provide the way. We're hungry. Lord, we're thirsty. Lord, we're kind of going crazy. We're past the hungry. We're a little bit hangry. And so, Lord, but we know that you're going to provide in your time. They could have done that, but they doubted and they started thinking, man, it, it was a little bit better back in Egypt when we were in bondage. Could it be that we're not in the proper fellowship with God? The, the more you spend time with God, the more you get to know him. And the more you know what he wants for you. And so the key to the equation is let's spend more time with God. Let's cultivate a relationship with God so we know exactly what page God is on. So we can get on that page. What does fellowship with God consist? Very simply, the, the, the basics of fellowship with God. What is it? It's Bible reading. 
Reading your Bible, it's praying, right? That's how we talk to God. We, we can go to Him in prayer. Not only that, but I think uh, the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 7 that uh, we are to walk in the light as He is in the light so that we can have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So we can walk in the light. We can obey God. That's how we can have, stay in fellowship with Him. We can pray and we can talk to God and read His Word. Uh, it's, it's been said before that the way that God speaks to us is through the Bible. We read God's Word and His Word speaks to us. And then the way that we can speak to God is through prayer. And we can go to God in prayer and we can talk to Him and we have that wonderful privilege. But I want to point out something. If you're still in Exodus, uh, just go back a page in Exodus um, 16. I came across this in my Bible reading the other day, and I noticed that in verse number 8, we can start there. Actually, in verse number 7, the Bible says, And in the morning, Exodus 16, 7, Then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings. In verse number 9, at the end of that verse, for he hath heard your murmurings. What a convicting thought. When we talk about having fellowship with God, could you ask yourself, what does God hear more of from you? Does he hear your murmurings or does he hear your prayers? We can get so caught up in a situation and, and so self-centered thinking, man, if only I had this, and why hasn't God provided yet? And we start to murmur instead of just giving the request to God. What a convicting thought. Does God hear our murmurings more than our prayers to Him? Number two tonight, why do we doubt God? It could be that we're not focused on God. It could be that we're not fully focused on Christ, who is the one we should be focusing on in the midst of a storm. What happens when we take our eyes off the one who's in control? Well, the opposite of faith is what? It's fear. So if we start taking our focus off of God and the one who is in control, the one who can handle your situation, we start to fear. If, uh, if we were to say that we were somewhere and, and it was a crowded, very crowded, uh, large room and the fire alarm went off, what would happen? Well, we've heard the, the horror stories, right? Uh, there's a fire, there's something that happens, and then people get trampled to death as, as people try to get out. Because why? Our reaction is panic. Our reaction when something uh, crazy is happening and we don't know what is happening is self-preservation. I'm going to try to get out. I'm going to try to save myself. And that's why we have these, uh, these tragedies of people getting trampled. And so our reaction when naturally when troubles come is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to panic. Man, what, what am I supposed to do? How, how am I going to figure this out in my own mind? And, and we get our eyes off of God. But think back in the Bible. When Jesus fed the 5,000, they didn't have anything to eat. It was after Jesus had just finished teaching them. And uh, they didn't have anything to eat. And his disciples, what did they do? Instead of saying, well, I'm just, honestly, I'm just going to sit back and watch Jesus work. Because uh, we have a problem. Jesus is here. He's going to handle it. It's okay. But instead, his disciples started to reason and started to, to question, well, Lord, I, we, there's 5,000 people. The math is not adding up. Are we supposed to go into town and, and get all this food and then bring it back and feed them? I, Lord, we don't understand how this is going to work. 
And then that's when Jesus was able to use just a little bit of food and multiply it for the 5,000. How about Peter walking on the water? I've used that, that uh, illustration before, but, but in Scripture, when Peter asked to come out onto the wind, uh, or, uh, onto the water with the waves, Jesus was already on the water, and Jesus said, all right, come on, Peter, come on out here. And he started to. The only other man who walked on water, Peter, he's, he's walking on the waves, going to Jesus. But what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He started looking at the wind and the waves. He started looking at the storm instead, and that's when he began to sink. And so we must make sure that our focus is on God in the midst of trouble. If, if we don't doubt, uh, he'll, he'll carry us through if we don't lose our focus. Number three, why do we doubt God? We are not fully relying on him. We're not fully relying on God. What happened with the children of Israel? Every time, every time they had a problem, what was their, what was their thought process? Ah, good night. If we would have just stayed in Egypt, man, we had bread to eat, and we were sitting by the flesh pots having a good time. I, I know, I know we were in slavery, and I know the bondage was hard, but, I mean, we still, we, we ate. You know, that was a good thing. They started thinking back to their old life and thinking, man, it was, it was kind of better back then, and, and now I'm hungry, and, and now I don't know how, how this is going to be provided. And so they started to doubt because they were not fully relying on God. Are you having trouble putting everything into God's hands tonight. What about your finances? What about your family? Your spouse? Your children? Are you too afraid to let God have them? Full control. And God, whatever you'd have for my children, that's what I want. What is it tonight? Is it your future that, that you don't really want God to have full control of? When we fully rely on God, that is when he can meet the needs. That's when he can direct, and that's when we can see the salvation of the Lord. But it all starts with letting God have everything. Full control, fully relying. When it comes to trusting God through life, there should be no plan B. The children of Israel, they kept thinking, man... Times are going tough. Man, I, I, we, okay, we tried depending on God. We tried serving God. But guess what? Look, look where it led us. We're hungry. We're thirsty. And we have some problems. And so I guess we should just go back. Plan B, let's just go back to Israel. Maybe everything will be better there. That was the children of Israel's thought process. They weren't fully relying on God. And when we don't fully rely on God, what do we start doing? We start developing a plan B. Well, if serving God doesn't work out, then I guess I could go do this instead. But we have to realize if God is going to bless and if, if we're going to have the, the complete victorious Christian life that God has promised for all of us, it first starts with us just saying, Lord, just take control. Lord, you, you brought me here. You saved me. You set my feet upon a rock. I'm just going to trust you. The hard times come. Guess what? I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to know that you're going to uh, carry me through. I'm going to fully rely on you. I'm not going to have a plan B. I'm just going to trust you, Lord. Number four tonight, and we'll end. Why do we doubt God? We're forgetting what God did in the past. Simply put, we are forgetting what God did in the past. For the children of Israel, were you not amazed when God brought you out of Egypt? Were you not amazed how God sent all those plagues? Were you not amazed, the children of Israel, when God opened up the Red Sea and, and you saw, literally, you saw the salvation of the Lord. You saw the Egyptians, as Pastor had described there uh, uh, last Sunday night, that, that were washed up on the shore. How amazing was that? 
You saw how those bitter waters of Marah were made sweet. And you saw how God provided the, the, the quails to eat in the evening and, and the manna in the morning. How amazing is that? You saw how, how water came out from a rock and you saw the victory of Amalek. But yet we still, for some reason in our human nature, we tend to just forget. We tend to forget what God has done in the past. Here's a solution or a suggestion. Exodus uh, chapter 17 and verse 14. Look there with me. This was right after the, the children of Israel defeated Amalek, their first battle ever. And they got the victory with God's help. That was when uh, Moses went up to the mountain and Aaron and Hur were standing by Moses and keeping his hands up. Because when Moses' hands were up, holding up that rod, they, they prevailed and Joshua down there fighting the battle. But when his hands got heavy and started uh, putting them down, that's when the children of Israel started to lose. And so that wonderful battle, how, how they saw the victory of God when they held up the man of God's uh, arms. And there's a whole message in that. But after that victory, we find in verse 14, here it is. Uh, go back to verse 13. That's a good verse too. Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Here's, here it is, write this for a memorial in a book. And rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, and I will utterly put, all, put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. What's the solution to not forgetting? It goes back to old-fashioned, just write it down. Write it down. Maybe in your prayer journal or a prayer book that you have to, to write down your prayer request. Why don't you make out a section in that, in that prayer journal and make it a praise book? And why don't you write down all the answered prayers? Why don't you write down how God came through here and, and how we praise God here for this moment? And, and when we write it down, guess what? It's a little bit easier to remember. Um, I, I tell you what, on Sundays, uh, I, have, I have the problem of if someone tells me something on a Sunday and I don't write it down, I'm, I'm going to forget it. And so right when someone tells me something that I need to remember, I'm already making a note. I'm writing it down. And that's what happens, the, the danger of what could happen if God provides, God leads us through this situation, and we don't write it down, we don't thank God for it, then guess what? We're forgetting about it. And so by the time that the next problem comes, we're thinking... How, how are we going to get through this one? Good night. What are we going to do? Well, do you remember how God delivered you the last time? Do you remember how God saw you through the last time? It's going to be the same way. Just fully rely on him. Trust in him. There's no need to doubt him now. Write it down. Remember it. I'd like to close with this song. And if you would, uh, take your hymnals there, the gold one to 490. And I asked Miss Phyllis if she could help us uh, play uh, for us on the piano. But... The song is, I think we all know it, No Need to Doubt Him Now. Why should we doubt God, who is so powerful? He can provide everything that we ever need. He has so many wonderful promises that He is going to fulfill if we only fully rely on Him. Why do we doubt God? There's no need. There is no need to doubt Him now. Could you sing that song with me, looking back through the years? The heartaches and tears, the Lord has never once let me down. We have the lyrics there as well on the screen. But let's sing this song tonight. And as we sing it, would you sing it to the Lord? There's no need to doubt Him now. Looking back through the years, the heartaches and tears, the Lord has never once let me down. 
I don't understand. Still I'll trust in his plan, for he said that his grace would abound. There's no need to doubt him now. No need. He'll make a way somehow safely this far Jesus has brought me no need to doubt him now that second verse child of God have no fear though your path seems unclear Someday God's plan will unfold. He's never, never failed. He's always prevailed. The Lord is still in control. There's no need to doubt him now. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week. Thank you.